0: Exodus chapter 24, we're going to pick it up in verse 15. God calls Moses up to this mountain. It says, when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. The Bible goes on to say that there was a consuming fire that they could see that was happening on the mountain as well. And it says, for six days, the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day, someone say seventh day. Okay, the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. Okay, I just, as I was reading this, I thought it was really interesting that, that God has Moses wait six days for him to say a word to him. Have you ever been like invited to a dinner party at someone's house and you go and you show up to the house and they haven't even started cooking yet? How do you feel about that? Doesn't, not that the worst? You're like, oh my God, I'm hungry. I need to go. Like, are this going to be an all-nighter? No, this is going to be an all-nighter here. Um, we have been going to go get some fast food or something. So Moses is like, uh, you invited me here, God. Like, can you seriously? You invited me on top of this mountain, and you're just going to stay silent for six days? Did not you invite me to this place? And on the seventh day, here, write it down like this. I think this is very important. Wait for it. Wait for it. That's a word for some of you here today. Moses calls, uh, God calls Moses to the top of the mountain, which by the way, I think is very interesting. Very often God will call people away from the crowd and call people even to to climb, to go visit him and then has them wait up there for six days. But I do, have you ever wondered that? Like why? I wonder if Moses was like, that's a big mountain, God. Like, why? I mean, you're God. You can talk to me right over here, man. I don't got the same knees that I used to have, God. Some, that's slippery up there, Lord. What are we going to do? Like, but, he, but he calls them, and I think that some of us may not be hearing from God because we're not postured to hear from God. That, that we're, not go, we're not actually taking the journey that God wants us to take, and we're not waiting in the place that God wants us to wait to actually hear and have our own personal encounter. So Moses takes this journey up on top of this mountain. He waits six days up there, and finally God begins to speak. And then it's at that time that he gives them the Ten Commandments and the, the Tabernacle worship and the, the the different ceremonies and he's just explaining to Moses the leader of God's people this is how my people are to worship me this is how they we're gonna have a relationship this is how I'm gonna atone for their sins so they don't so I don't destroy them and they're not they're blessed by me this is this is how it's gonna be man I'm gonna be with my people and I'm gonna be their God and. And and it takes actually a long time. It's almost 40 days Moses is up there. Check this out in Exodus chapter 32, many chapters later. Moses is up there for, it's like 30-something days by now. And it says this, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, who was the priest, and they said, Hey, Aaron, we don't want to wait anymore. Come make us some gods that will go before us. Like, we're tired of waiting for this thing. Like, from their perspective, it didn't look good for Moses. It looked like a fire and a cloud, and the mountain is shaking. So from their perspective, outside of the presence, albeit they were not in the presence of God. They were not where Moses was to experience the glory and the power and to see all that, to hear from God. They weren't there, but from their outward perspective, looking up on that thing, they are like, oh my goodness, this does not look good for us. So they didn't know what to do, and they say, let's just... Let's go a different route. Let's make us our own gods. And they didn't know that, that God was making, while they were waiting, God was making a way for them. Like Moses was there. They did not know that Moses was, a, while they were waiting down there, that they were getting, like God was making the way for them to have community with each other, for, for God to, to be their God and for them to be his people. Like they didn't know that God was like setting it up, He was setting them up, and they didn't notice said, Can't wait anymore, I can't let's just go let's just make our own gods. Let's just do it our own way. And so Moses, God actually tells Moses, he's, he hears about this whole thing, and you guys probably know the story. I hope you're reading along with me. It's a crazy story. Aaron gets all the gold and all that from everyone, and he builds this calf, and they start worshiping this calf. and, and God tells Moses, Hold on, can we just take a timeout and all the instruction I'm giving you? Because these people are are bothering they, they, these people are are they're doing something bad Moses I need you to go down there and take care of that so he goes down there and he's so mad he actually throws down the original ten commandments and breaks them they're shattered they're 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 done and if you go read the story it's like um, like a lot of them actually die because of their because of their idol worship and I know that's like old test some of you like you like serving the New Testament God but you don't so much like serving the Old Testament God. <laughs> But you need to know, listen, he's the same God. Yeah. He is the same God. We are under a new covenant. So the way that God relates to us and has a relationship with us and the way he is has, has made relationship available is very much different. Absolutely. It's a covenant through faith by grace in Christ. But he's the same God. Let me say it like this. Like, like it is a severe thing. The presence of God is severe for those who are unsubmissive. Yeah. Okay. And so this is, the presence of God, yes, I will. The presence of God is severe for those who are unsubmissive. And here they are, they're, they're unrepentant, unsubmissive, and many of them are destroyed. And God is fed up at this time. We've been, this is part eight. You guys have seen a pattern here. Are you seeing a pattern here with the Israelites? They're, they're really quick to give up and to turn back. And, and so in Exodus chapter 33, God tells Moses, he goes, look, Moses, I'm going to send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the ites. I'm going to take care of them all. The angel will go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. So go ahead and take that promised land. But look what he says. I will not go with you. Because, look what he says. Why? Because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. <laughs> have, have you ever like been on a like a, a road trip with the wrong people? Come on, any parent knows what I'm talking about here. It's like like <laughs> You, you want to kill some? You're like, I can't take this journey. And you probably know there's probably some people that you would not drive to San Francisco with. You're like, no, I ain't going on that trip. But put the right people in the car, and you're like, let's go, all right? So, so this is God going, this is not going to be a good trip for me or for you if I go, okay? I do this with Veronica, by the way, sometimes. We're on a long trip. I'm like, honey, you got to drive because if I drive... People are gonna die. Let's just, you gotta drive, just drive, because I know myself, and so God knows himself. He's like, I'm done with these people. Y'all, I'll take care of it. I'll send the angel to go take care of it. He'll, you guys will get the promised land and stuff, but, but I can no longer tolerate. It's not gonna be good for you, because I just might destroy you. And later on in that same verse, here's what Moses, his response to God in Exodus 33, later on in that chapter, Moses says to him, if your presence does not go with us don't give us the promise don't send us from this place like like it's 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 not we don't it's not worth it how many of you if 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 god were to tell you look here check it out kid i'll give you everything you want i'll give you the job you want the salary you want the spouse you want the the life you want but i ain't going to be with you how many of you would Okay, so here's, here's a good test of Moses. Isn't it a good test? What, what, what really are we seeking? What are we seeking? And Moses goes, no, 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 that promise isn't worth it. That, that's not a good trade, God. I don't want, unless your presence goes with us, don't give us the promise. Don't send us from this place. I'd rather be in the wilderness with your presence than in the promise without you. Amen. And then he has this cry. He says, now show me your glory, God. Show me your glory. Do you know that God wants You to see his glory. God wants you to seek his presence. And we seek a lot of things in life. But when you start seeking God, he'll show you his glory. So let me give you a few scriptures in your notes there about seeking God's presence. Psalm chapter 53, verse 2, it says, God looks down from heaven on all mankind. Here's what he's looking for. To see if there is anyone who understands any who, what? Any who seek God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Listen, God is not playing hide and seek with you. Amen. <laughs> God is not hiding his presence from you. There is more written in the scriptures about God desiring to dwell with you than us desiring to with, dwell with God. God wants to be with you. It's... Our problem, like, the problem isn't where God is. The problem is where you are. Amen. The problem isn't. So this is just within the heart of not just the Israelites, but in the heart of man. Mankind has a tendency to drift away from God's presence. Let me give you a few ways you can know you're drifting, not in your notes or anything. A few warning signs. Um, you spend little time in God's word anymore. Or You spend little time in prayer. You chalk it up to being busy. So you wake up and you start running and getting ready, looking at emails, texting, social media, but you didn't used to do that. Or the word of God doesn't affect you like it used to. I've heard the mess. I've heard the Ten Commandments, Moses. I heard it. I've heard it, man. It's like this. It's it's. Or you say something like like, I've heard. I just don't feel fed anymore. You know what I mean? You know. That statement, I don't feel fed anymore, which I love you. If you've told me that statement, it's okay. Some people, a lot of times time people come from other churches like, I just wasn't, I wasn't getting fed. And I understand what you mean. Yes, there is a, a, maybe a teaching and a modality of it and a methodology of it that lands better. I get all of that. But it more has to do, please hear me, it more has to do with your heart than the word. Amen. Okay, it does. Because the word of God doesn't return back void. It has to do a lot of times with your appetite. All right, I'm not. I'm gonna get in trouble today. You're, you're. Uh, maybe you're drifting. Maybe you don't. You're not spending time in community, like you used to. You're not with your sisters or with brothers, and you're just again chalking it up to other things. You're just not connecting. Some maybe there's some sins that used to bother you that don't bother you anymore. That's how you know you're drifting. Like you, you make excuses for things now that you used to not tolerate in your life. Like, like it's okay. It's just a little flirting. Just a little flirting. Nothing wrong with a little with a little flirting, right? Okay, so so you're making excuses. Let me, we need to seek the presence of God. Now, when I, when I say seek the presence of God, because God does want you to seek his presence, um, I need to bring some clarity to the presence of God, because there's, a, there's different types of God's presence. Did you know that? And it might be a little bit confusing when we say seek the presence of God to really know what to seek. What is God after here? What is he saying when he says seek my presence? So let me give you some theology here, what the types of God's Presence. Write these down. This is in your notes. The first type of presence is omnipresence. Omnipresence, meaning that God is always there. He is everywhere at all times, even when we don't realize it. David asked, he said, where can I go from your presence in Psalm 139? Like, you can't go anywhere from it. But we can't seek the omnipresence of God because he's, he's already there. He's always there, right? So that's not what God was after. God's not after you seeking his omnipresence, okay? Here's the second type of presence. Write it down like this, the inner presence. That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God living on the inside of us, temples of God where he lives. Now, you can't seek the inner presence of God. That is a seal of the promise of your salvation, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And he's not going to leave you nor forsake you. So so he's not saying seek the omnipresence because he's already there. And he's not saying seek when you're seeking God. He's not talking about seeking the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of you because he's there. So what is he talking? When God says, I want you to seek me, seek my presence, what is he talking about then? And let me give you the third type of presence that he's talking about, and it's the manifest presence, the manifest presence. That word may be loaded with different thoughts that, that for you, so let me explain the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence is the made known or the realized presence of God. The presence of God, in the Bible, this presence is often called the glory of God. When when Moses said, show me your glory, he was crying out for the made known, realized, manifest presence of God. This is what God desires us to seek, that we would seek that made known presence. And one of the greatest privileges in life is to learn how to be people of God who, who have the manifest, the glory of God resting on us. Not just, the, not just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, not just the acknowledgement that God is everywhere at all times, but that there is glory on my life. There is glory. There is a manifest. There is a realized presence. And while he's in our life at all times, he does desire to be glorified on your life as well. So Moses understood this when he said, hey, don't, 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 don't send us without your presence. We want that glory. We don't want, to just, we don't want the angel. We don't want the son. No, no, no. We want you, God. Nothing, no, nothing, no way. Nothing is going to compare or nothing can be traded for that. We need your glory. Exodus chapter 33 in verse 7, it says, Now Moses used to take a tent pitch outside the camp, some distance away from where all the Israelites were, calling it the tent meeting. And it was in that place that he would meet God. He'd pitch a tent there. And it says, As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And the Lord would speak to Moses. Look at this. Face to face as one speaks to a friend. And that's awesome to look at that. And we're like, well, that's great, man. That's good for him. In fact, the Bible says that we would go into the tent and he would come out. He was like, his face would, sh- would shine with so much glory, so much radiance that the Israelites could not look at it directly without it hurting them. Like it was just too bright. So they, they, were, they told him, please put on a veil. Moses, we can't even talk to you right now. We can't even hear you. So Moses, when he came out of the tent, would have to put on a veil until that glory would begin to fade. As long as he was, the longer time he was out of the tent, it would fade and fade and fade. And eventually he could take it off until he went back into the tent Again, and we look at that and we go, man, that's fantastic. That's great for Moses. But listen, God wants you to have an experience like this as well. God wants you to see His glory. God wants His manifest presence to rest upon your life. And it's not just in the Old Testament. The, let me show you the New Testament verse 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And if you could, let me give you some homework. Read all of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 okay read it all it actually there's a lot in there that actually is about moses and the glory that he had and the greater glory that jesus gives us y'all okay can you okay with i give you homework y'all okay go read second corinthians chapter three let me give you a few verses out of it it says whenever though they and you're the they by the way the church whenever though they the church turn to face god as moses did god likes it when you turn to him do you know that like when you turn to face him, God says, man, I like it, man. God removes the veil. Now, let me explain that to you because a veil in, in the Old Testament and New Testament, whenever you see the veil, it's always like a symbol or a type of a barrier between us and God. And every single one of us from time to time will, if we're all honest, there's just different barriers that are standing in the way between us and really experiencing God in a very personal and powerful way. It could be our sin that we got comfortable with. It could be your attitude. It could be your perspective. It could be some doctrinal prejudice that you have about certain things about the church or God or the presence of God or whatever it is. It could be a bunch of things, but we all have different veils, different barriers between us and God, which is why I pray every week the same prayer. I pray for an open heaven above Discovery Church that when we gather in worship, that there would be a glory that would be so accessible in this place that you wouldn't have to work hard for it. But the moment that you turn towards God's face, that he would reign glory in this place. I pray that, I ask God, make it easy, God. Let us just, as we turn to you, we just open up the heaven and shower us with your glory. So he says, anytime we decide, you know what? I'm turning my face toward God. God removes the veil. He removes the barrier. Look what happens. And there they are face to face. So God wants, God wants you to know him personally. He's, he's here, church. God is here. He is right here. They suddenly recognize that God is a living and personal presence. I love that. He says, hey, if you ever do this, if you ever catch this glory, you're going to realize that he's more, he's not just in, he's not just chisel, he's not just the Ten Commandments. He's not just the, in the Bible. He's not just a book you read or something you hear about when the preacher, no, he's personal. You know him, per, like you've met him personally. And that's huge. So we turn our face toward God. He removes the veil. God shows up and you realize he's real. And when God is personally present, a living spirit The old constricting legislation, in other words, the same way you've done it, that's gotten real stale and old for you, like the same way that you've done religion and church and faith, and some of you, it's gotten stale. Some of you coming in here, and you're like, yeah, yeah." same three songs, three three and a half songs, you know what I mean, we're going to do, and then they're going to do the announcement thing, Pastor Jason's going to be like, you're excited to be here, and it's just going to, and then... And then he's gonna just talk for a little bit, you know, same story I've, I've heard, and then he's gonna, and, and pray for people, and it's, I'm waiting for tacos. Where are the tacos at? You know what I mean? And so for some of you, your, your experience with God has become a constricting legislation. It's become a regulation. It just becomes something that is your routine has turned into a rut for you. And he says, when this happens, though, when you can just decide to turn towards God and seek his glory, that that regulation, that rut that you're in, it'll be recognized as obsolete and you'll be free. You'll be free. And that's my prayer for you. I'm completely convinced that God wants to have encounters with us. He wants to have experiences with us. He wants to to be known personally, every single one of us. He wants to show up in glory. And I think he wants to do it more and more more than you realize, more than we realize, and even, even make room for in our personal daily lives. God wants to show up in glory. In fact, here's what the Bible says about God encounters there are three reasons why you ought to consider this and pursue what I'm saying today. Let me give you three reasons to like go deeper, wherever you're at in your faith, to go deeper in your walk with God today. Three reasons. Number one, because we need power, not just words. What? <laughs> because some of you are here today and what you're facing, words can't fix. You got things in your life that are bigger than any amount of words. You just need, you need power. You need something bigger than all that. And I think this is so important because there's a lot of words that are out there. You know, contradict, or let me say it this way. There's a lot of um, great arguments out there. There's a lot of different religions that are out there. How in the world would you know which would be the real one or the right one or, or God's one if one of them was not backed up by something powerful that no one could deny? Jesus said, I will confirm my stuff with signs and wonders that follow. Jesus said, you don't believe? Fine, I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. He always guaranteed that you would never have to wonder if he was God. That if you truly sought him, and you sought him with all your heart, he makes a promise, I'll show up in glory. I'll show up if you seek it. I'll show up. Jesus said he'd it. This is how the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the apostle Paul He said, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my message and my preaching, they were not with wise and persuasive words. But instead, look what he said. They didn't come with a great video and a great graphics and great lights and stuff like that. Look what he said. They came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might not rest on my wisdom, but on God's power. We need to be a group that's convinced. We're just convinced of our God. That, that not just because someone said it was true, not just because you read that it was true, not just because I said that it was true, but because your life was changed. Your marriage was better. Your mind was healed. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Yeah. Here's another thing. Here's the second thing. Not only do we need power, not just words, but we need an encounter, not just an explanation. You need an encounter. You need to experience. That, that, that's, that's why this is important, you guys. In all my reading, as I've studied the scriptures, there is not one occasion that I have found where someone truly had an encounter with God and, and God revealed his glory, that they sought him and had an encounter with God. There is not one time in the Bible that they ever turn their back on God again. Not one time. People that have, like like, because once you experience God's glory, once they've known him, they're Their faith is no longer based on an intellectual level. It's no longer based on, and I have this theory. I believe it's true. It may not be true, but I have a theory that a lot of us are more comfortable serving to God we can understand. A God that fits in our understanding, a God that fits in our mind. So we want the explanation first. We say, well, I don't understand that. Explain that to me. I don't get that. Like, and, and before I'm even, you know, just wait. I just, I got to understand it. I can't. And we want a God that can fit into our understanding and to fit into our explanations and to fit into our imaginations. But I'm telling you, I need a God that's bigger than me. I need a God that cannot fit in my mind. I need a God to do some things that I don't understand. I need a God to have some power and to confound some things that I don't even get. That I might. His ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. That's what I, kind of God I need. Like if God could fit in my brain, you wouldn't want to serve him. Come on, somebody. That's not a God you want to serve or worship. We always try to reduce God down to our own understanding though. I love the story of when Jesus healed that guy who was born blind, uh, it kind of made a lot of people upset because he was born. The religious people of that day they were like they couldn't understand it, they couldn't get it. So they they wait a second, we need an explanation, we need to understand this this miracle. So they actually pulled him aside and started interrogating this blind guy. They're like, wait a second. Forget that he's, he can see now. They're like, no, wait a second. Let's, let me explain this. how this happened? Explain to us how this happened. And they're just interrogating, putting up the eye chart. What do you see? A, B, C, D? Maybe not that. But they were interrogating and stuff like that and getting grilling him. And finally they figure out, no, this, this is the guy. This is the guy who was born blind, and now he can see, and then they shift from there to go, okay, well, what about the guy that heals you? What about this Jesus? Let's understand him. Let's explain this. Explain who is he and what is that, because, because we just need to understand this, and someone's got to be able to explain this. And then finally, this guy says in John chapter 9, verse 17, Finally, they, they turn again to the blind man and they say, what have you to say about this Jesus guy? And the guy looks at him he says, look, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know about Jesus. I don't know if he's like this or that. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. I, I, like the guy could not be convinced otherwise and he couldn't even explain it. And there's nothing they could do, nothing the religious leaders can do. they could threaten him, they could beat him. Nothing could take away his faith in Jesus who healed him because he experienced it himself. He didn't understand it, but he experienced it. He couldn't comprehend it, but he experienced it. Listen, listen to me, the greatest proof that Jesus is Lord is your changed life. It's my changed life. That's the, it's you, it's me, it's the fact that once I was blind and now I see. We need an encounter, not just an explanation. Write this down. We need presence, not just practice. We need the presence of God. Look, we can create a service for you. We can... <laughs> the scary thing is, as churches nowadays, we got it down pretty good. We can do a good service, you know what I mean? Churches, like, we can do, like... Here's, it's scary, but the reality is... We could probably do a really good service that you would enjoy. And God didn't even have to show up. You know, you get the recipe down and stuff like that. But I want to admit to you and confess something to you right here, right now. As long as I'm the pastor of this church, it don't matter what lights or what state. Like, I'm glad we have this stuff. I'm glad we got cameras and this stuff. But I promise you right now that we are not going to be a church that just practices church. We want the presence of God in this place. We want the glory of God in this place. We need, we need the presence of God. And one of, the, one of the ways that you know, like the true proof that God like shows up, um, and you see it all throughout Acts, by the way, uh, is that there is a joy unspeakable yeah. and full of glory. When God's presence shows up, there is a joy. And we're actually going to be studying this. In August, when we do 21 days of prayer in August, I'm going to study, we're going to do a whole series called Outpouring we're going to study the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, who he is and how he operates in your life. Let me show you Acts chapter 2 verse 28 though. It says this, "You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me," look what he says, "with joy in your presence." And that's my real prayer, when you leave here that you would be fuller, that you'd have more life, that you'd have more joy, that you'd have more freedom because that's what the presence of God produces and, and that's why we have to be a church that has a lot more than practice we need the presence of God amen church amen. now here's the question of the day though do you have a role in this happening do you have a role to play in this whole like experiencing God the glory of God is there or is it just like random is it just kind of like when he wants to show up he just he just shows up because I believe that God wants to have a lot more in fact I believe that Jesus is scattering a lot of seed I think he wants to show up in our life and reveal himself in glory yet I don't think according to the scripture some of those seed aren't falling on the right soil in other words the reason why we're not encountering God is not because we're waiting on God it's sometimes God's waiting on us our hearts aren't right in fact Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus tells this parable of the seed going out falling on rocky ground he says the reason why you're not receiving is a bunch, bunch of you aren't experiencing me is this. Matthew 13, he says, because in you is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, so you hear, but nothing's happening. But, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing without perceiving, so you're seeing, and it's just not working out in your life that well. Why? Because people's heart has become calloused they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, look what he said, I'm trying to do a work, I'm trying to have these moments with you. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts in turn and I would heal them. In other words, the reason why we're not experiencing God is a heart condition. All that said, meaning I, I think we do have a role to play in experiencing God, experiencing the glory of God, that we have a role to play. In fact, I think it's part of my job as your pastor is to create environments and moments for you to turn your heart toward God. Now, because I can't save you, I can't give you the glory, I can't by the style of my, none of that. But what I can do is try to create through the atmosphere of worship and the glory of God and the teaching of his word for you to put, turn your heart to God and get some of that glory. I think that's part of my role here as is, is I pastor you and lead you is to get you to face him, turn to him. Turn to God. Hosea gives us a good prescription. Hosea chapter 12, verse 12. He says, sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unveiling love. Look at this. And break up your unplowed ground. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the calloused heart. Man, it's become, it's become hard. He said, you got to break up. You need to plow that stuff that's become callous. For it is time to what? Seek the Lord until he comes. Wait for it, somebody. Wait for it. What do we do? He says, well, let's get this heart thing right and let's go all in. Let's seek him, let's seek him, let's seek him. And I'm gonna tell you, God's gonna show up if you do. I'm gonna give you three words today, three words, three things that you can do to plow the ground of your heart, like to get ready for the glory of God, to get yourself, to posture yourself in a way that that God's glory is, you're available for the glory of God to, to be in your life and to shine on your life. How many of you want the glory of God? Anyone in here want that glory of God? Let me give you three words, okay? Number one is desperation. You gotta get desperate. Okay, write it down this way, though. You gotta want God's way more than you want your way. God is looking for some people who are not content with what they just have. Okay, if you are, if you're happy with what you have and you're happy with where you're at and like everything is good and you're just fully content, I'm happy for you. I'm not. I mean, to an extent, I'm content in Christ, but I have a holy discontent that I know there's got to be more. There is more of God's glory. There is more of his presence. There is more of his power. There are more lost people who need him. There is more of his kingdom that needs to be advanced. There is more than this. In fact, the reason why we started Discovery Church was based on this premise, that there is scores of unchurched and de people who are telling themselves there has got to be more than this. God is waiting for a people to get desperate for his presence. Desperate, maybe some of you need to get desperate again. Matthew chapter five, verse six, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do you remember when you used to thirst like that? You used to get hungry for for the worship service. You used to thirst for the word of God. You used to consume that thing. It was your appetite. Whatever you consume becomes your appetite. And some of you don't have the same appetite because you're consuming the wrong things. You need to get desperate again for God. Hunger and thirst. He says those people who want it like that, who want it bad like that, they're desperate like that, they're going to get filled. They're the ones I'm going to feel. He wants to fill you. But some things are only discovered by the desperate. Are you hearing me, church? Okay. We got to get desperate. We just do. I think that's one of the reasons why God tells Moses and us to go to places like climb the mountain. Come on up and wait. Just wait for me. Worship and wait. Just wait. Take the climb because he wants us to get to a place of desperation. That we want God's way. Here's the second thing. Write it down in your notes. Number two is humility. Humility. You want to see the glory of god you got to get desperate you got to be humble or write it down like this wanting god's will like if you want the the things of god you can't do it with pride in your heart pride will keep us from experiencing god more than anything else you got to want god's will how many of us do we really want or we do we want our will or god's will moses I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to probably preach this in a few weeks. But Moses, what God told Moses, you're not going to go into the promised land. You're not going to go there. They're going to go there, but you're not. How many of you, if God told you, look, you're not going to get it? If you didn't get your will, would you still follow and serve God? If God actually told you that, no, I'm actually not going to do that for you. No, you're not going to get the promotion or it's not. You're not going to get the healing. No, I'm not going to heal you. No, sorry, I'm not going to save your marriage. I'm going to do it. That's not, that's, no. Some of you, because you didn't get your, you're only serving God to the extent that he does your will. And the moment that he doesn't do what you want him to do, you're like, what's the use then? <laughs> what's the use? Well, who are you serving? Are you serving your will or God's will? See, if you want and you're not, you're not going to see the glory of God because he knows your heart's. He knows your heart, that you're only after him for what you want. So, so we got to get desperate if you want to see this glory, if you want to see this presence of God. you got to get desperate, and you got to get humble again. Jesus came along, and, and, he, and he prayed to his father, and he said, You know what, Dad? I don't, do the, I don't do the cross thing. I don't do crosses, Dad. Come on, man. Is there any other way that we can save these people without the cross thing? This doesn't seem like there's got to be a different plan. Come on, then the cross. No, seriously, this is a conversation that Jesus is having with his father, and he's like, I don't like this. This isn't good. And then he says what we need to say. He says, okay, I'm sorry, Dad. Not my will, but yours be done. Amen. Not my will, but yours. Some of you don't even know that there's, like some of you don't even know that you have pride. Like you've drawn lines that you don't even realize that you've drawn. That you said, you know what, God, I'll, I'll, I love you and I'm going to but I'm just not going to do that. I'm just not going to, I just don't do that thing. I just don't do the serving thing. I just don't do the group thing, or I don't do the giving thing, or I don't just like, I don't do the hands raised worship thing. (laughs) That's kind of weird. I'm not emotional. You know, I don't worship you like that, God. You know my heart, God. That kind of thing. You know what I mean? And so some of you have drawn some lines in the sand that, that, some of you didn't even realize that was, that was in, in, I got people asking, by the way, I got to hurry up. People asking me, they're like, why do you guys worship the way you do, like hands raised and stuff like that? And so I'm like, because it's in the Bible, it's not my idea. The Bible says in First Timothy that that God wants all men everywhere to lift up holy hands. Okay, so it's all throughout the Scriptures that talks about this hand raising thing. It's I didn't write that. God did. Now if He wants worship like that, then I'm going to worship Him like that. Now if God wrote in the Bible, spin on your head like a top and worship me, I'd be up here break dancing, spin on my head. Okay, because because it's not my, it's not what I want. I'm gonna, I want what he wants amen somebody so jesus says not my will but your will i need to come back to this hold on (laughs) here's the third thing i gotta hurry up here's the third word if you really want the presence of god the power of god the glory of god you gotta repent i'm just i'm just trying to help you out three things if you really want the glory show me your glory god I don't want it unless your presence goes. You got to get desperate. You got to get humble. And you got to start repenting again. You got to want God's work in your life more than you're working in your life. We got to allow a cleansing work to happen in our hearts. Psalm 51, David wrote this psalm of, of confession, psalm of repentance. He said, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Some of you have probably written off that God can do that, and I promise you he can. Some of you think that you're way too stained and way too messed up and way too far gone that there ain't nothing pure that can come from your life only by the power of God. But he can make you pure again. I've already done it. I've already messed up. There's no, you can't unscramble an egg. No, but God, God can make you pure again. He can cleanse you from the inside out. He says, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Don't cast me from your presence. Take your Holy Spirit from me. Church, I want to be a people that that are hungry and thirsty for the presence of God. I just don't want good things. and For us to have good things and to, to experience good things. And good things in your family. Good things in the city. Good things. And doing good things. And we do good things for people here. I want more than good things. I want God. I want the power and the glory of God. And I want it for your life too. How many of you are hungry for the presence of God? Some of you need to start right there, though. You need to start right here at the repentance thing. Can I just pray that for you? Some of you have never prayed like this before, but you know you You know, some of you are like so far away from God. You know it. You're so far away from God wants you to be or where you used to be. And it's time to just come on back to God's will. You've been doing it your way and doing your will. And it's time to, it's time to come back to his will, his way, and his word. Can I pray that over your life? Come on, with every head bowed and eye closed in this place, will you just close your eyes with me? And, and I think this is a decision moment for some of you, maybe for the very first time for this repentance thing. It's, that's just, it's not a religious thing. It's you just deciding today, I'm going to stop doing it my way and doing my will. I'm going to surrender. I'm dying to myself even. I'm dead. I just want Jesus. The Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you shall be saved. That's it. This is, thank God for the covenant of grace in Christ. That's it. One decision away. Give Jesus your life.